Big Red Revival. All right, welcome into the Big Red Revival podcast, episode 22. Be sure to go and follow us on Twitter, at Big Red Pod, and follow us for all of the latest updates, hot takes, and all of our latest opinions on uh, everything going on in Husker football land. So uh, we've got a great pod for you guys uh, today. We're going to be talking, of course, about the quarterback battle. Uh, The captains were released this week. Um, You know, a couple players were looking to maybe have a breakout year, or a couple players that uh, maybe need to – have a kind of a show me year this year. Also just uh, break down the Ohio state game and uh, total season outlook on this episode. So go ahead and uh, grab one of your favorite vice and uh, sit back and let's talk a little Husker football. It's finally here. So uh, Zach, what's happening? Football game week is here. Taylor, happy game week. Yes. I know. I'm a, go ahead and uh, crack yep. one open to that. Has this not been the longest three, four days uh, in a while? I mean, yeah. Leading yes. up to this, you know, you had you had games like Florida, Georgia to look forward to, but you know, it's just it's still not the same when it's when it's your team, and now it's finally here, and we finally get to sit down and watch our boys take the field when it was just uh, seemed so unlikely for a long time, and again, it's uh, it's finally here, and I'm I'm very excited. Yeah, I think 300 plus days since the last time our beloved uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers took the field, so it's been a long awaited. I mean, the uh, you know the couple of uh, the months before of uh you know sec games and all that's helped kind of scratch the itch a little bit but there's nothing uh that can do it for nebraska football for me i mean i'm a fan of uh basically all sports but uh nebraska football is a completely different animal so it's uh i'm excited yeah. that it's finally here and yeah, uh, it's, ready always, to- it's always my it's always nice to get to start the uh the season with a with a bottom dweller yeah you know exactly I mean? you know exactly some uh you know, paycheck game yeah, a paycheck yeah. game, you know, bring somebody in or, you know, come get that paycheck and beat up on a little bit. So um, maybe, unfortunately, that might be what's happening still. We just might be on the, the other end of it. Of it. <laughs> so, but uh, Noah, how'd you, how'd you spend the last week of uh, college football before Husker football started? Um, watch as many games as I could. Um, it didn't seem like the games were quite as electric as the weekend before, but but kind of the nightcap with um, with – with Bama, it was it was fun to see them, and and you know just like every year, they seem to be the real deal. You know their defense was kind of a question mark there for a couple of weeks, but they uh, they sure took care of those rumors and uh, went out and and uh, showed that you know they're still as good as it gets in college football. So yeah, I just took in as many games as I could, and um, and then you know you and I got to go out and hit the links on Sunday for the for the, probably the last time this year, and so. It was kind of a good, good last uh, weekend before before shit starts getting real here. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was an action packed weekend. Yeah, we had a uh, golf scramble out at uh, Woodland Hills out there in Eagle, Nebraska. Uh, tea time uh, noon was uh, thirty nine degrees uh, Fahrenheit, so uh, it was quite. You know, it actually wasn't as bad as I was anticipating. Um, sun came out for a little bit, so we were able to power through that. But uh, besides that, yeah, the Alabama game, uh, the nightcap Saturday night um, was uh, first half was obviously I'm like, okay, here we go. We've got a heavyweight, heavyweight title fight here. Um, and then of course, um, Georgia basically pulled a Georgia and, you know, I see, I feel like they're that team. That's just kind of like Oregon was 
five, ten years ago, you know, like always super competitive right there, knocking on the door, maybe going to win a national championship, but may, just can't seem to get over the hump, you know. Just I don't know what it is. Obviously, um, they've got a walk-on third-string quarterback playing, so um, that has helped them through the first couple of games. But, uh, you know, when you're going against the, the likes of Alabama, you know, that's not going to get it done. So, no. um, yeah, Bama did what they did. Um, you know, I was at a w- wedding out in New Virginia, Iowa, so I got to spend the last uh, – college football weekend without Husker football in the shitty state of Iowa. So that was uh, quite the, uh, you made the, you made the best of it though, didn't you? I did. You know, we stayed at a casino and uh, I uh, logged a lot of hours in that sports book and uh, always good leaving a vacation with more money than you came with. So that is uh, always a perk. So never been um, Vegas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's never happened. Never happened (laughs) in Vegas. So, you know, they, what do they say? They didn't build those casinos taking L's. So, Nope. <laughs> Built it like Bama. Yeah. So, yeah, another week, another uh, couple rounds of upsets around college football. You know, finally kind of COVID hit the SEC. You know, they at first um, the uh, Vanderbilt and Missouri game was uh, postponed, canceled or whatever. And no one really batted an eye because, I mean, those are the two. The, you even forget those guys are in the SEC most of the time. So uh, that wasn't really a big deal. But then um, – you know, after Flores coach, we talked about last week, you know, talked about packing the swamp and, you know, getting 88,000 up in there. Uh, unfortunately, about 88 members of his football team, including himself, managed to get COVID. So uh, talk uh, about for- your, your huge backfire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That uh, that uh, didn't age well, as I believe the kids say these days. So um, the Florida LSU game was postponed. So um, so we've had our first round of uh, games that are going to be that were canceled in. Um, you know, I'm hoping that uh, the Big Ten's able to power through. I think they've got a little bit better testing uh, procedures going on, but um, but you know, it's uh, it's a crapshoot, and you know, you hope that uh, we can buckle down for eight weeks. And um, you know, not to mention the way Scott Frost is talking about it this week in his weekly presser. It, I mean, and not so many words, just kind of reading between the lines. It kind of sounded like he basically said most of these most of these guys already had it is what yeah. I was, he was like, you know, from the guys that had antibodies and this, it was, I was kind of reading between the lines and it sounded like he was saying, yeah, most of the teams already had it. So, um, you know, whatever, Kid, you know, you know how kids are these days, and, you know, in the university, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to spread. So, but, uh, you know, obviously the biggest news since last time we left off was uh, clearly the elite hype uniform release video uh, that was half, uh, Friday the 13th, half jersey release. What did, you, what did you think when you sent it to me or text me about it and I pulled it up and, I mean, I got a little chills, was a little afraid through some of it. I mean, because I'm <laughs> I'm the guy that is screaming at a uh, at the, the spook house or the scary house, whatever. So, like, I am terrified of things like that, especially clowns and stuff. That was – it was get to me. So, what you, would you initially – what was your initial thought of the uh, jersey release video? I mean, when when I first opened the video, I didn't really expect to see like a hybrid of a uniform reveal and like a Rob Zombie movie. I mean, it was it was uh, very dark, but it was awesome. I mean, once again, you know, the media team delivers on a high level and, you know, what they do just really can't be matched uh, that I've seen. But I love the Halloween theme. I'm October is honestly one of my favorite months. Um, Big fan of the Fear Fest. They show 24 seven on AMC every year um, all through the, the, the month of October. So it was kind of a cool collaboration of, you know, Halloween and then obviously the new uniforms. But new uniforms were kind of 
not really the the main point, I guess, of the of the video because they weren't there wasn't much to talk about really. It's kind of just the white version of our black uniforms we wore last year, but they're still really cool. I like I like any time that we can um, get that black in our uniforms and kind of just uh, step outside our comfort zone as Nebraska fans a little bit and right. and um, do something new each year. I, I've I've liked that that step that we've made as a program to be able to do this at least once a year. Yeah. I mean, you know, of course there's always going to be the Karens of the world that aren't, aren't going to like it or, or whatever. I, I think one of the first comments I saw on the video, uh, somebody had posted on Facebook was some old lady saying, uh, yeah, I bet. I wonder how much those uniforms cost all of us. And it's like, that, that was your initial pick. That was your first thought after seeing this video, huh, ma'am, was how much they cost. It's like, let me, I, you know, I, I try not to bicker back and forth with people on the internet, uh, especially not on Twitter, because Twitter, I believe, is just basically built for, you know, that. But it's just like, don't don't ever question about how much Nebraska football spends, because they're they're putting out way more than they're taking in. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, but, you know, can't ever please anybody. But, yeah, I like the uniforms. The black-white combo look good to me. I just, I can't see why they don't uh, go with that Husker script on the side of the helmet. You know, I've, you know, they've put out all these different, uh, you know, I know we've probably had what, 10, 12 different, uh, alternate uniforms so far. Yeah. Um, and they've never, they've never changed up the helmet design. It's always just been the end. And I've always wanted to put that Husker script on it. Cause that's, that's my favorite logo for the Huskers is the Husker script. And I think it's for most Nebraska fans is that we voted on for the basketball mm-hmm. court, right. When they put yeah, out the, uh, it's very popular uh, with the basketball team. They, they are not shy to use it and, any any shape or form so yeah i agree with you i think we definitely need to start incorporating that in a lot of a lot of the stuff we do beyond basketball especially football because it just it looks so sharp and it's just kind of a nice change of pace but it's also kind of that classic look that we are so hung up on that you know it doesn't it doesn't stray too far away from that so yep i definitely agree yeah, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's something that's been around forever. So the even the old fogies aren't going to hopefully have too much uh, problem with it. So, uh, but overall, I love the video. Um, you know, it was. I'm assuming maybe we're going to wear those on Halloween. Which I mean, but it's at it's a home game on Halloween. So I don't know about wearing white at home on Halloween, but uh, it would make sense to release a horror film jersey release for a game being played on Halloween. That's what that was my first initial mm-hmm. thought. I guess was like, oh, we're going to wear these on Halloween. This makes sense. So, yeah, it won't, and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. I feel like with no fans in the stands, you know, it's not going to be the sea of red in there. So, you know, right? Why not? Why not? Just it's twenty twenty. Anything goes. Wear the white uniforms at, at home. Absolutely. So, uh, but you know, besides that, everybody was kind of anticipating, you know, the depth chart release, and you know, Scott Scott Frost as always, you know, uh, pulled one on us, and uh, not going to be releasing a depth chart this week. But uh, you know, a couple things have trickled out. Uh, and of course, um, the biggest focus was obviously the quarterback battle, or maybe the lack thereof a quarterback battle. But uh, it was said that Adrian Martinez, of course, is going to be our starter. Obviously, we've harped on this for the previous couple weeks, even at the end of last season, about clearly Adrian Martinez is the guy, um, and maybe be on a sh- you know short leash. But I didn't, I didn't think there would ever be a chance that Luke was actually going to start game one. Um, do you think there actually was a quarterback battle and it wasn't as close as they're making out to be, or what'd you make of this whole situation? I just think Adrian Martinez has been at his best when healthy. Um, and he's healthy now. He's, 
he hasn't had an O line like this before since he since he arrived on campus. Um, you know, it's really um, you know mature uh, uh, group of guys up there that have seen seen plenty of time and you know had plenty of starts. Um, he should have a solid run game. Um, and then you know, unlike the last couple of years, he's going to have uh, you know plenty of tight end safety blankets that he's going to be able to go to. He doesn't have to rely on that one guy like Spielman or Stanley Morgan to really, you know, focus in on so much. He'll have Wandale, but as a quarterback, having that good um, tight end safety blanket's just huge for for him when, you know, he's feeling pressure and he's got a check down. He's going to have those big bodies out there running routes that he can he can rely on. So I think, I think he's in a good spot going into the season. And ultimately, like we've said, it was his to lose. And, you know, you think about it, if, if Luke is really that electric and that much of an athlete, then find a way to get him on the field. If, if And if Martinez isn't getting it done as the quarterback, then give him the stats. But we can't do the dual quarterback system. That just doesn't work. It hasn't worked since 2007 when Chris Leak and Tim Tebow were doing that thing. And right. so we, we can't – we have to go in with the guy and then and, and kind of adapt from there. But um, it's just – it's kind of I, – I never want to see Martinez, you know, get benched. I want to see him succeed. We can We've seen what he does. But – it happens. I mean, if you look at Mississippi State last week, uh, KJ Costello was hands down, you know, the starter coming in, big time mm-hmm. transfer, put up huge numbers in week one. Then things kind of started falling apart and he had his time to right the ship. He didn't. So they brought in a true freshman to replace him. And that's just the way it should go. You know, it should be his job until it's not. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I wanted to obviously touch on your kind of experience with this. Um, those of you that don't know her, my beloved co-host here was uh, the quarterback of the uh, good old Nebraska Wesley and uh, Prairie Wolves. And uh, you had some experience with this yourself. Um, you know, you came in as a freshman and kind of didn't get to play much, but then you came in as a sophomore and you were competing for the uh, for the starting quarterback job against the incumbent who had previously started the year before. Um, can you just go through kind of the mindset of what you're going through maybe in camp? Um, are you feeling like, Hey, you know, I've got a, ch- a chance to beat this guy out. How are you preparing to kind of maybe make good on your opportunity to compete and, um, you know, kind of maybe what the coaches thought was on giving you the opportunity to, uh, unseed the incumbent. Yeah. Um, so a little, little flashback here, story time, uh, <laughs> No matter how you look at the look at it, there's always going to be two scenarios where a backup comes in. It's going to be injury, or he's replacing the guy that had been the starter. Um, when it's an injury, um, you're kind of just thrown into the mix and don't have a lot of time to really mentally prepare for that situation. When it's replacing the starter, as the guy coming in, you kind of already feel that opportunity starting to unravel and starting to present itself. Um, it can be, you know, struggles uh, from that from that starter. Um, you know, kind of leading up to when you replace them. Um, it can it can be something where, you know, even pregame, the coach will come up to you and say, hey, you know, stay loose. Uh, we might we might have to go to you in, in certain situations or, or you know, put you in if, if things aren't going well. So you get a little more, um, you know, mental preparation time um, when it's not related to an injury. And so but the, the problem with all of this is it can be a really, really uncomfortable situation for that quarterback room, because as much time as you spend with those guys in that room, going over film, um, studying playbooks, anything it might be, um, you really get to know them. You get to, you, you form bonds with them. And so when when uh, you feel somebody else, uh, you know, kind of giving you that heat and looking to take your job, it can make things a little little less solid in that room. But 
for fortunately for me, um, you know, I was uh, I was the guy coming in to replace the starter, not not vice versa. So it, it was okay. But uh, he was the captain, and um, you know, like I had said, you know, a couple things led up to it. You know, preseason he got hurt in the preseason scrimmage um, a week or two before the game. He was all right, started the first game, and then the second half he went out with an injury. So I came in, didn't play great, but we still um, got a win. Um, team we got a win it wasn't that great um and then the second game rolls around and we're through three quarters of play he had completed three passes in that time and so you, i kind of started to you know feel that there was some some grumbling some struggles obviously on the field and that's where i got my time and um we were able to uh come back on a team we shouldn't have been down from um get the win and then from there uh I kind of took over from there. And then a couple games later, uh, that, that starter had left the team. So obviously, again, we don't want to see that happen with Martinez, but um, it's definitely, you know, something where it, it can, it can be tough mentally on a lot of different people on the team, but as long as um, there's that clear communication and, and really just realization of the, uh, the situation, um, there shouldn't be too much of a drop off and you should be pretty prepared to, to come in and, and make plays. So, right. um, now, yeah, but it's, it's tough. Now, um, now, now, now maybe from the other side of things now, um, as maybe a starting quarterback and you know, you've got a guy nipping at your heels, you're hearing the rumblings of, you know, obviously the, they want the coaches and the fans usually want the young guy to start because they think, Oh, the, you know, it's all about potential usually. Um, now what kind of mindset does that give the starting quarterback knowing that maybe he has potentially on a, on a short leash and is he looking over his shoulder? Is that going to affect your play on the field? Yeah, I mean, it really comes down to what kind of person that that starting quarterback is, and what kind of uh, attitude that he has, and what kind of head he has on his shoulder. Because if if you feel that heat, that should that should kind of you know check you uh, mentally and say, hey, you know, do I really want this guy to come in and take my job, or do I need to start busting my ass and doing everything I possibly can to step my game up so that doesn't happen? it's my job and I'm going to protect it as much as I can. And I'm not going to let somebody else come in and take my job. So um, that's, that's the, I, in my opinion, that's the attitude that you have to have. But right. unfortunately, you know, they're in college football and sports really everywhere. You have your mental midgets that can't handle that kind of pressure and that kind of situation. And those are the types of guys that are going to fold and, and get their job taken and then transfer three more times and never, and never really amount to anything because they can't, they can't handle that type of situation. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe the biggest stark contrast between the two quarterbacks is um, their demeanor and how they lead. Um, Luke seems to be one of the uh, player favorites on the team, uh, seems to be have a lot of boys on the team, a lot of guys, uh, more of an outgoing personality, a rah-rah guy. And then Martinez is kind of a quiet, quieter guy. I mean, we saw the video released last week, and I, it was it was a really nothing video, but it just kind of showed you – I mean, our – I think I pretty much already knew who Martinez was, you know, as a leader, a captain. Um, he was just, you know, hey, the guys, the talking's done. Uh, you know, I can't wait to go out there and compete. Just really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, you know, I'm going to go out there and show you. I'm not going to be the guy giving you this big rah-rah pregame speech or, you know, out yelling at people and, you know, jumping around, doing all this stuff on the field. I'm just going to go about my business. I'm not much of a talker. I'm about my business. and just going to move on that way. Now, I've grew up playing sports with you for most of uh, most of our adult life from the time 12. And you've been a captain for most of your life uh, across all sports you've played. Um, you're a three-year captain in, uh, in college at quarterback. Um, 
tell me about what kind of leadership. I know you were kind of more the Martinez guy. You know, there's kind of you weren't the big pregame speech, rah rah rah, all this. You were kind of just, you know, hey, you guys know what to expect from me, and this I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and I'll live up to the expectations of you know, you guys know who you're going to get from me. Uh, maybe just kind of go through. I don't know, maybe the leadership type you had and kind of what's what you like to follow and what kind of leadership uh, kind of you would like to see. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is kind of harsh, but uh, a lot of rah-rah guys um, are frauds. Um, <laughs> they just they just want to be heard. They're just yelling to yell. I mean, in most cases, it's going to be like your, you know, your kickoff team guys that don't don't see really a lot of a lot of time outside of special teams or like a backup receiver, a backup linebacker or something. Um, I don't know. Effective rah-rah guys are really far and few between. And and when they can be effective as that outspoken vocal leader, it's really, really beneficial for the team. But when guys are just yelling and yelling to yell and, you know, just not really making any, any sense of it, that's where they kind of lose me. I always appreciate a good lead by example guy that they speak when they, when it's needed, they speak when the, when the moment's right. And when, um, maybe, you know, a teammate needs to be put in its place or, or coached up, um, right there on the field, whatever it is, they pick and choose their, their spots to, to speak up. And I, I think that just goes a lot further, um, as, you know, as it helps out your team. Right now, uh, in exactly, I think quarterback, especially is one of those positions where, um, you, I don't really want a rah-rah guy being at quarterback. It's kind of like, it's kind of like coaching. Like you don't want your coaching, your co- your head coach, maybe having the demeanor of let's say a Bo Pelini. But as your defensive coordinator, it's like that's exactly what you want. Um, offensive coordinator is a little bit more subtle, but you know it's just kind of. I feel like quarterback is your kind of just you know your lead by example type guy, mm-hmm. and I think you see that across college football, NFL football. It's more a lot of lead by example guys at quarterback. So. But uh, besides that, uh, they named um, the rest of the captains. So you had Martinez, um, DiCaprio Boodle, uh, Forniak, um, Cade Warner, and um, what's um, the linebacker's name? Having a drawn blank here. Um, uh, God damn it. <laughs> Number 31. I'm having a complete. Colin Miller. Colin Miller. Colin Miller. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yes. <laughs> that's, your boy that, too. that's how surprised I was that he was a captain, <laughs> I guess. So uh, yeah. what would you think of the captains or, uh, they picked? I mean, I think one of the names really jumps out at you and, and, and everyone it's, it's Cade Warner. You know, he, he came up as a, a walk on, saw playing time, earned a spot, earned a scholarship. Now he's a captain. I mean, it's kind of your, your ultimate comeback story, but, I think more than anything, um, that might have been fixed a little bit by the coaching staff to get him as a captain because they really want to just emphasize hard work and and uh, stay in the course and and things like that that you know you see in college football where guys just pack up and leave if they don't see um, experience immediate success. So I think they kind of almost wanted to put him up on a pedestal pedestal and say, "Here's what this can get you. Here's a good example of it. Now follow his lead." 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I was 100% expecting a Cade Warner to be captain after um, his name was brought up in every single interview that I've heard from players and coaches. Um, it was one of the first names. And then you kind of start to hear some of the back, back stories on it. You know, he's he's having guys over to his place for Thursday night and Monday night football, uh, you know, breaking down breaking down what he's seeing on the TV, you know, stopping, pausing it and showing, showing the younger guys what he's seeing. Um, obviously, he's got a very high football IQ. Um, obviously his dad's probably helped him out on that, but, uh, just, you know, seeing him at that press conference outside of the, uh, the, the mustache, um, you could just tell how, how his football IQ was that he understood what was mm-hmm. going on. Um, and just, you know, a grown, grown, grown adult, especially when you got a young team, especially a young wide receiver room, it's good to have, I don't know, he's probably 21, 22 years old, been seeing a lot, seen a lot of football, uh, in his time, obviously. So I think that, I thought that was probably the least surprising uh, captain for me. Uh, mine was Colin Miller, <clears throat> mainly because I don't, I don't know. I just, I think our linebackers are, uh, you know, I didn't see a lot out of him last year and you never really hear a lot of Colin Miller, uh, good or bad. Um, so that one kind of shocked me a little bit. Um, but, you know, DiCaprio Boodle, obviously, and Forniak, when you see guys coming up throughout the season, it's been DiCaprio Boodle, Martinez, and Forniak, so those ones didn't surprise me at all. I was, I was thinking maybe, um, um, uh, excuse me, uh, maybe ben Stilley. Yeah, maybe Ben Stilley. You know, a Nebraska yeah. guy that's been there in the program for a little mm-hmm. bit. But uh, you know, the captains are the captains are. So, um, but another thing that came out, obviously with no depth chart, but one of the other things that we had talked about last episode was who was going to be that running back number two. Obviously, Dedrick Mills is going to be the workhorse and the bell cow. And we're all kind of uh, wondering who was going to be RB2. And we got that answer. It's Ronald Tompkins, which I think surprised most of Husker Nation. I think a lot of people were thinking it was Ramir Johnson who was going to be the number two guy. Um, But it comes out that it's Ronald Tompkins. What do you think of Ronald Tompkins and all that he's put in to get to this position? First off, uh, I'm kind of surprised that there wasn't like a two and then a name and an or and then another name. Maybe there was. I didn't see it. But – I, I could see there there being, you know, three number two running backs and it just yeah. hasn't really broken out yet. But aside from that, uh, it's, it's a great story. I mean, it just it's a good story of perseverance and, you know, overcoming, you know, that adversity that gets thrown your way as a football player with with pretty significant injuries, um, both both ACLs. And then I think there was something else in there. Um, and it's just really I think it speaks highly to his character that He's he's been such a hard worker to come back from that kind of thing because it can it can be hard to bounce back when when something like that happens. So yeah. that's good on him. But I think it also um, again kind of solidifies my prediction that it's going to be kind of a running back by committee um, behind Mills because you know Frost says that he's not worried about any lingering issues with with the Ronald Tompkins old injuries, but. You got to think that you know there there might be a couple games where he gets a little dinged up and you can't really fully expect him to give you a hundred percent, which which is fine. I mean, if he's you know still being productive and we need to go so, another way, it is what it is. But it's uh it's a good story and um, hopefully it works out for him and and for us as 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 a, as a team. Yeah, I thought um, you know last last week you know I had kind of pointed to Ronald Tompkins. Hey, this guy's healthy, you know. Um, I watched. I watched the game where he tore his ACL. It was on. It was on ESPN. It was one of those preseason kickoff games or whatever they had on ESPN. And I was like, "Oh, tune in." You know, the guy's going to Nebraska, and he probably only made it through a quarter or so. But man, you could you could see you could see the talent in him and the the jump cuts and just 
the clear running back vision. I mean, the guy looked really great, and I was really excited. And then, you know, about seven carries in, it was uh, another ACL after previously tearing it um, the year before. You know, he had a lot of big-time college suitors coming after him before all the injuries. Uh, Nebraska stuck by him. And, um, you know, I think we're going to get a gem here because I believe that some of our running backs, like Dedrick Mills, Obviously, he's more of a power guy, and then we've got a couple of speed guys. I think I think that Ronald Tompkins is a good mixture of both. He um, he looks he looks the prototype. He looks to me. I've made the comparison of uh, a David Horn, um, former running back um, out of Omaha. Uh, excuse me, uh, Omaha Central. That uh, was a pretty good all around back. You know, never quite lived up to his full potential, but um, just that style, that size, that look. He's got a great. Uh, running running style so i'm anxious to see him play but um you know i'd love to see uh Diedrich mills be getting 20 plus carries a game mm-hmm. you know in this shortened season it's no no need to you know try to keep carries off of him so let's go ahead and load him up but when he needs needs a breather let's go ahead and get him out of there but uh you know i'd like to see him be getting a a good uh healthy share of the carry so you know that that is what it is and then they said uh, you know marvin scott obviously going to be getting in there um the one the guy they didn't mention was uh savion morrison the the true freshman from Oklahoma. So we'll see if, uh, I don't know if he's, you know, they don't tell us about injuries or whatnot, but uh, he wasn't one of the guys mentioned. So, but yeah, uh, I just I'm, don't think he's gotten quite big enough yet either. I just don't think he's, his body is quite as mature as uh, some of those other younger guys. And, you know, and it's something for him to work on. So hopefully, hopefully he can get it figured out. Yeah. Now going into the season, we thought that um, the, the wide receiver group was going to end up being a lot different, looking a lot different than, um, like I said, they haven't put out a depth chart, but how it's currently looking on uh, just from what we're hearing. Obviously, Wandell is the staple, but um, we were all hoping Omar Manning was going to be the number one guy. That doesn't seem to be happening. I'm hearing that he may not even travel to Ohio State this weekend. Um, and then maybe Chris Hickman, Cade Warner, and uh, maybe one of the true freshman speed guys is your fifth. But uh, it's shaping up a lot different. Um, the, uh, the transfer from South Dakota State, the Levi Falk, um, sounds like he's going to be our second receiver. And then another walk-on, Wyatt Lear. Lear. I don't, I've never even heard of the guy until this week. Um, another walk-on. What What do you think it says about the wide receiver room? Is it – I mean, what do you think of uh, that, how the wide receiver room is shaping up? I'll just go there. Um, I'll say that it was painful to even listen to you say that just now. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know a ton about the, the Felt kid. Um, I kind of – looked up his, his numbers uh, from South Dakota State. Looks like he had a pretty good year a couple of years ago, and then <clears throat> an injury kind of cut his season short last year, and then he decided to make the move. So looks like a pretty athletic guy. He's got he's got experience at a high level, so that always helps, except for Noah last year. Um, and then back to, uh, to the Wyatt Lure guy. Um, if I have to see him, um, he's a 6'3 beanpole from O'Neill, Nebraska, who walked oh. on. If I have to see him – Lining up against Sean Wade on Saturday, I'm going to get very, very sad. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, we all like the story of a walk-on, but when we're talking about wide receivers and the first three of five guys that are mentioned are three walk-ons, we're in some trouble. Um, you know, it it's not a good look. I don't feel great about it. I mean, the guy from South Dakota State, he wasn't even the best receiver at South Dakota State. It was the, yeah. the dude from Nebraska. Um, mm-hmm. So... It's I don't feel great about it. I and then not to mention didn't hear next to anything about Chris Hickman. 
Um, you yeah. know, since he moved from tight end to wide receiver, I thought he was going to be uh, a staple there. Not not to say he's not going to because we don't have a depth chart to go off of, but um, just a lot of it hasn't been about um, our scholarship guys. And of course, you know, they moved Brody Belt to wide receiver and they was mentioned. So it's just like, so that's actually four of the top six guys that they've been talking about are walk-ons. Um, just not great. We need we need a lot of production out of them. And I know Frost likes the guys that can block. You know, if you can't block, you don't get the rock. I understand that. But, man, we need, you know, we need our best athletes. Like, wide receiver is where your top athletes are supposed to be at. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm sorry, but got walk-ons from O'Neal, man, I'm just – I, I'm not, I'm not feeling great about it. I'm not feeling great about it. Like I said, I haven't even looked him up. I didn't even bother to look him up. So I just, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, the only time I want to see them off the field or on the field is like special teams. And then I want to see them walk off the field. I don't want to see them walking on too much anymore. Like they're done. We can't, we can't have that type of, I mean, you're telling me a guy who is just he's in his second year at Nebraska from O'Neill, who was playing against Ord two years ago. He's better than one of our freshman receivers that are playing against the top talent in Florida. I right. just I don't see what we're doing. Right, and like he's better than Xavier Betts. I mean, Xavier Betts is the best receiver in the state last year. I mean, I you know I he got to campus a little late, but man, it's you know wide receiver and running back are some of those positions where you don't really need uh, too much. Uh, uh, you know, to be in your book, your playbook, you know, those are positions where you can get out there and make an impact regardless of whether you know all the plays or not. There's um, just not feeling great about the wide receiver room. And, uh, you know, and I was hoping that was going to be something that was changed around this year, but um, you know, just kind of goes back to the glaring issue of JD transfer. And that would have been a nice piece to have to kind of at least transition to get these young guys acquainted and uh, get them in there. But um yeah, just not feeling good about that. But um, you know, position groups. You know, I feel like Nebraska's got a lot of a lot of strong position groups, and they've got a couple glaring uh, ones. Obviously, the wide receiver room that we just talked about. But where do you see Nebraska's strength at as far as positions and maybe a weakness? Um, I mean, wide receiver is obviously one that top of the list for for not the best uh, groups. Probably right. you could probably couple in kicker and linebacker in there too, because you don't really know what you're going to get as far as production there. Um, and then kind of the three that intrigue me a little bit more than the others. Um, I, the group I like um, is safety. Um, I like the two deep we have at safety with Dismuke, Farmer, Pola Gates, and Deontay Williams. Um, the group that I hope is our best is offensive line. And the group that I think is our best is the tight end group with Austin Allen Kurt Raftel, Jack Stoll, and Vokalek. Yeah. That's how you say it. Vokalek, is that right? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah, it, it'll be like a week two thing before it clicks, but we'll get there. Right. Um, yeah, I think clearly that our two top positions are tight end, t- position groups are tight end and offensive line. The tight end room is uh, as deep as you could ask. And, you know, I'm hoping to see, you know, maybe like some Baltimore Ravens type stuff where we're seeing maybe three tight ends on the field mm-hmm. at a time. Um, I know I've heard nothing but good things of Austin Allen coming out of camp. I've always been high on him. I think he's a really he's a really athletic six foot eight guy that can run. Got a little size on him too. Um, Bokalek, they say that you know he's just a grown ass man out there, six six two sixty. Um, and Jack Stoll is also you know a really good blocker. So um, I think we feel pretty good about it. We get the transfer back from Lincoln Christian, Jared Bubeck from that originally went to Arizona State. So I think we're four to five deep in the tight end room. 
And then obviously with the offensive line, we return every starter from last year. Um, Forniak obviously moves from right tackle inside to guard to make room for um, uh, Bryce Benhart, uh, which a very highly touted uh, redshirt freshman. And then we've got a couple uh, other guys sitting behind him, Bo Wilson's. I mean, he's not even going to be starting this year, and he started all last year. So I think the offensive line depth and the tight end depth are clearly our two strengths. As far as weakness, obviously we touched on wide receiver, um, linebackers. We've got linebackers that could potentially be something. I'm not totally sure. We feel good about secondary. The defensive line, I think we have probably six or seven guys that we think are going to be good. Uh, You know, Trevor Robinson, I'm really anxious to see what this kid actually looks like. Um, Ben Stilley, Ben Stilley, he's one of the few guys in this make or break uh, season. Um, He's been around forever and just the production hasn't been where you'd like it to be for a guy that's been a contributor for three years. So it's, uh, you know, is it's good to, that's why I'm thinking our offense is going to be able to put up some points um, this season and maybe have to get in a couple shootouts. So, you know, I like the offense and hopefully we can get some of those wide receivers up to speed. So, but um, yeah, it's, um, but uh, you know, obviously going into the first game at Ohio state, um, do you think that, Potential. Well, there's potential for two things here. Potential that they are going to be trying to go for style points because for some reason they've been moved down in the polls, or there's potential that you know they're a little rusty because it's game one, 11 a.m. kickoff, cold weather game. Uh, which one do you think is more likely that they come out fucking humming like well-oiled machine, or maybe they stumble out of the gate a little bit and maybe aren't um, you know who we think they are right away? Yeah, I, I'm with you on the, the style points. You know they with the big 10 having a shortened schedule, you know, they have to do everything they can to jump off the page um, at the, at those voters each week. And, you know, there's a, there's a possibility they may, they may see a loss, you know, with, with the Wisconsin or Penn state or Michigan or whoever. Um, And so they really need to, you know, do as much as they can um, in, you know, every single game outside of those losses. So I would expect them to come out fast, aggressive, but, don't be surprised if they're a little rusty and they, and they make some mistakes and they get penalized a little bit because, you know, it's, it's been a long time since they took the field and, you know, they're, they're human and they have a lot, they have a lot of new guys coming in there, especially on the defensive side where um, we, we may be able to expose a, um, you know, a couple early holes in their, in their defense or offense and, and, you know, stay in the game longer than maybe we, we should or would have, would have if this uh, wasn't all going down. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State lost nine draft picks, uh, our players to the league last year. So, I mean, obviously, Ohio State's going to be filling them with other four- and five-star guys. But, uh, you know, I was listening to a couple of Ohio State podcasts, and they were talking how their defense line, um, you know, they had some some guys on their team are high, highly touted, but uh, not a lot of experience. So, um, you know, with their defense line going against our very experienced offense line, it's like you hope that that would be one place where Nebraska is able to have an advantage, especially early um, in the game. So I'd like to see a lot of ball control out of that. But, um, you know, they lost J.K. Dobbins, which was uh, I believe he's Ohio State's all time leading rusher. Um, but they got in Trey Sermon, which is a transfer from Oklahoma. Guy can play some football. They lost their number one receiver, the Chris Olave. Um, so it's going to be a lot of different pieces out there, but I mean, still at the end of the day, you've got, uh, you got the dude calling, calling the shots at quarterback. Um, he's probably the Heisman favorite right now. So, um, when you have that guy that, uh, I believe he had 50 touchdowns and 
only one interception going into that game against Clemson and then through two. So, I mean, when you're putting up those kind of numbers and taking care of the ball that well, it's, it's a lot to deal with. Uh, Nebraska is facing its largest uh, point spread in the history of Nebraska football. It's, uh, I don't know if where it's at, it keeps moving, but uh, it touched 27 and a half. Um, so that's, um, I don't know if that says more about what people think of Ohio State or more what people think about Nebraska. But um, whatever we do, we've got to, got to do better than we did last year. You know, Adrian Martinez went 8 for 17 for 47 yards and three picks. That's that's not going to get it done against uh, you know anybody uh, against Nebraska Wesleyan and nonetheless Ohio State. So just you know playing a good clean game. What what do you think we're going to see uh, in this game here? What what are some of the keys that you think we need to have to keep this game closer? Maybe even you know okay we're not going to pull it off. Let's just <laughs> let's just go there. But what do you what do you think you need to see from Nebraska to keep this game close and to look good and not be embarrassed game one? Well, uh, some some say it is you have to be able to put it all together. And um, I kind of looked at that phrase and broke it down. And it's just we have to, you know, take kind of a hybrid of things we saw from Nebraska in different games last year. So uh, just a couple things. Um, the start we had against Colorado last year, jumped on them early, 17 nothing at half. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it th- at that. Um, we have to see that run game we saw against Wisconsin last year. Um, Mills had 17 carries, 188 yards, a touchdown. Martinez, 16 carries, 89 yards, a touchdown. Um, we have to see the passing game. We, uh, we, we just need to, uh, we just need to see a passing game. Um, oh, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. there was not a game that jumped out at me last year that we, we really had it all put together in the passing game. You could say maybe the second half a little bit against Illinois. Um, that was the only game that Martinez did go over 300 last year. So, I think coming out with more of a smooth, just basic approach will be beneficial for the passing game there. Um, the defense we saw against Iowa, I mean, it might have been assi- um, assisted by the weather a little bit, but we held Iowa to four, um, four for 13 on third downs, and we had two takeaways, one pick six. So the, if the defense is putting point, uh, points on the board for us, that's always going to be a bonus. We got to see the toughness we showed against Illinois. We have to see the swagger we showed against Maryland. And last but not least, we need to – Need, we need our kicker to make kicks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, I think that will – well, it's got to be an improvement because it can't be any worse. So, yeah, uh, yeah exactly. the, the special teams game was a joke. Um, for me, for, you know, to Nebraska to come in here and, you know, present itself well, I, it, there's a couple points I put down. And it starts first possession. First possession, cannot let them score on the first possession. One. If we and we cannot go three and out on our first yep. possession, though that, that is going to set the first possession is going to set the tempo for the entire game. So forcing Ohio State to punt the ball on their first possession and not going three and out on ours because that's going to make our guys believe, okay, we can we can stop these guys and we can move the ball a little bit. Just a simple thing is that don't let them score a fucking touchdown on the first possession and not going three and out. It's a very little thing, but just for the mental psyche of the players. Also, got to win on third down. Third down mm-hmm. is the money down. Um, you got to be able to stay on the field, and you got to be able to get off the field on defense. So being able to move the chains, getting yourself in good position at first and second down for you're not you know, playing behind the chains, getting into third and long. Um, obviously, clean football. That's that's a given in any any game, especially big games. Penalties, turnovers. Got to – can't have, you know, false starts, mental errors, um, and obviously can't turn the ball over. 
Um, also, quarterback run game is going to need to be an essential part of our of our offense. Um, whether that means bringing McCaffrey in there to spell Martinez on a couple plays, or you know just uh, having Martinez run some more. I thought last year he was um, very timid to run. And I don't know if that was due to the injury or, you know, back when we had Taylor Martinez, I thought that after the first year he was out to maybe prove that he could throw the ball and didn't want to just use his legs all the time. So the quarterback run game is going to be very important to us here. <clears throat> and then lastly, open field tackling. Mm-hmm. Ohio State's got a lot of athletes. They're going to make plays, but you can't let a little little play turn into a big play. Uh, you can't let a seven-yard seven yard route turn into a 56-yard house call. So just open field tackling and good fundamentals. You know, if those things we can do, we can, you know, be able to run the ball, whatnot. We can slow down that offense, keep their offense, keep Justin Fields on the sidelines and, you know, eat up some clock and, you know, maybe ugly up the game a little bit. So those are those are my keys. Um, I think that first one's very important. The first possession, I'm mm-hmm. telling you, it's going to set the tone for the entire game. So, um what do you see happening in the game? Like I said, it's a 28 or 27 and a half point spread. Where where do you see this game? How do you see it playing out? Well, based on the last few years, well, I guess two years ago we held with them, but outside of that, we're we're due to cover at least. I mean <laughs> I think, like in a cover. Yeah. Um I and I would I would be shocked if if the game doesn't go over. I think it's like 63 or something, 62. But I wouldn't be shocked to see that as well. I mean, that kind of lies on our shoulders if we can actually put points against them because we we know that they're going to put points up. But um, it's just I think that if we're able to come out and kind of go blow for blow with them early, we could see a game a lot like two years ago where you know we they just let us hang in there and hang in there and right at the end we were there. Unfortunately, we didn't get the job done, but. You know, we had a lot of things go right for us that day, and we played up to our actual potential and still fell five points short. So um, all we all we need to do is really just allow ourselves to be in it for as long as possible, and then anything can happen from there. So I think that we keep it closer than what the spread is, but um, it just all depends on how we, how we respond when they will undoubtedly make a big play or or, you know, get a takeaway on us. We just have to keep a level head and respond and and hit them right back. Yeah, I think it's going to be essential to keep trying to keep this game to a one-possession game at halftime. Um, if we can get to halftime where, I mean, even if it's a 10-point game, I think that we're going to go in there feeling pretty good and maybe, you know, start letting our nuts hang out in that second half and, uh, you know, try to, try to go ahead and go for it. So um, Ohio State's a good team. They're, you know, a top two, three team in the, in the country. So... Um, I think we also cover uh, 27 and a half is a lot of points. I see the score in the 48, 31 range. I see this being a very high scoring game. Um, like I said, I feel good about Nebraska's offense returning a three starting quarterback, an entire offensive line, uh, our leading rusher from last year, our most, our biggest playmaker in Wandell. Um, I, I like Nebraska's offense, be able to put up points, um, especially early in the season. So um but as far as season outlook, um, what are who's a guy that maybe you're looking that's in a you know kind of a put up or shut up type situation, and maybe a guy that um, you're looking to that hasn't been playing that you're looking to break out this year? Um, I think I have two here. Um, obviously, we're going to toss out his freshman year, and on offense, it's got to be Adrian Martinez. You know, he's 
he's kind of on the hot seat with as the quarterback um, with Luke kind of breathing down his neck. So we're, we're going to need to see, you know, that elite type of player that we saw early and then some glimpses of, uh, of last year to really break back out and, and give us more chances to win games um, on the defensive side um, for different reasons. I really want to see Cam Taylor Britt break out. Um, first off, I, I don't doubt anything about Cam's game. I don't think that he's done anything to like, you know, draw heat uh, with playing time and such. But uh, the guy's just a baller and a playmaker out on the field. And and he could be a potential X factor for our defense. And now he's going to be a little more limited because of the fact he's going to be primarily just a corner with uh, with Braxton Clark um, out for the year. But if we can really get him to kind of pick off where he left off against Iowa and a couple other games last year and really be a difference maker out there, he could be, I mean, he could, you know, change the you know direction of our defense by um kind of having that anchor with with boodle in in the secondary there yeah as far what about breakout guy uh i'm kind of hope i kind of lumped in cam taylor with that i'm hoping i'm hoping that he he is a breakout player for us and kind of change the trajectory of the defense yeah, for me, the uh, you know the kind of make or break, you know, the put up or shut up season. Uh, for me, is for uh, our three of our outside linebackers, Jojo Dolman, which people who've listened to the podcast know that that's my favorite player on the team. I've been a big Jojo Dolman guy, um, but it's time for for Jojo to take the step from being good to great. Um, it's time to take the step to being an all conference performer. Um, you know, otherwise, just gonna the career is gonna go by the wayside. It's just a guy that was very good for four years. Um, I'm looking for JoJo to take that next step and become an All Conference player. Uh, Caleb Tanner, uh, he's on first team All Bus. Caleb Tanner looks the part, has gotten plenty of action, and you've seen flashes of what he potentially could be. Uh, but he needs to put it together for a full season. Um, and then Nelson, uh, you know. Had a, I love the high motor from him. Kind of reminds me of the uh, Chase Winovich from Michigan a couple years ago. That's what we Classic need. Classic rah-rah guy. Classic rah-rah, exactly, guy. Um, obviously, high motor, uh, but made a lot of mental errors last year. And as as he would, it's fresh, true freshman year. So our outside linebackers, it's time, not only because this is Nebraska's probably biggest glaring issue, is a lack of pressure we are able to get on quarterbacks. So we need one of these guys, if not a combination of them, to step up and have a breakout season. Um, as far as breakout players, I'm looking at, uh, I have them dubbed here, the Burke boys. Um, <laughs> so I have Chris Hickman and Nick Heinrich. Uh, Nick Heinrich uh, is probably going to be my favorite player on the team after JoJo leaves. Um, he wears the number 42. That's my favorite number. Ronnie Lott uh, is a Nebraska guy. So I'm, I'm all in on Nick Henrik. Also, I see his dad always talking shit about the Big Ten on Twitter and all that stuff. Love that. Um, so I'm, I like Nick Henrik. They they're sound like he's going to be playing a little outside linebacker. They're basically just talking like this guy's too good not to be on the field. So we're going to be moving him around uh, just to get him, get him in spots. I went and saw him play twice when he was in high school. I went and saw him play our alma mater, Southeast. Um, actually, he didn't play against Southeast, but Chris Hickman did. Played a great game. And then Chris uh, Nick Heinrich, he had tore his ACL in the season his senior year and suited up for the state championship game. And clearly that was not ready to play. But just you could just see the instincts and in that he was just a straight football player. Um, he wasn't able to move laterally left and right, but just was able to be crafty out there and make plays. And I'm pretty sure he was uh, came back about three to four months earlier than they said he could. So 
just a real quote-unquote football guy. So I'm looking for those guys to have their breakout season, dubbed the Burke Boys. So um, Chris Heckman and Nick Heinrich, I'm um, looking for those guys to step up and make a name for themselves here. But um, outside of that, you know, it's the first game of the season. So, you know, we wouldn't be a podcast or guys that talk about sports if we didn't get into uh, predictions of uh, season totals and uh, things of that nature. So, Zach, we got an eight-game season plus one on the back end, but we're just going to go with the eight-game season. How do you see the season breaking down in a wins and loss from a wins and loss standpoint? Do you remember last week the uh, the betting trend I've been on? Uh, Rehired, re- it cooled down. It cooled down a little bit, but that, I was I was hot last week when we talked about it. And okay. I'm a big, I, I love everything about the overs um, this year in football. So I'm taking the Huskers over. I think it should be at four and a half. Um, I think I, I like wins against Northwestern, Illinois, Iowa, Purdue, Minnesota. And then I'm hopeful that we can um, potentially steal one against Wisconsin or Penn State at home. So that would put us at six in a really good spot, most likely Big Ten West champs. But that's obviously very optimistic, as I usually am in preseason podcasts. But um, here we are. I think those were, those are where our wins will come. I like the over. Okay. So, yeah, the season total – over under for Nebraska is three and a half. A um, couple guys out there dumping on the unders. Uh, my guy JP Scott out there of Athlon Sports. Uh, we got a little friendly bet. He's taking the unders. Um, three wins. Uh, I, I just can't see that happening. I like Nebraska getting to four and four, um, then probably matching up against a team, maybe like Indiana or even uh, Michigan and the uh, little. Big Ten tournament game that we have in that ninth game. So I like us at four and four in the regular season. Um, I don't I don't know how those wins or who those wins are going to come against. I think that I kind of break it down into three different uh, – there's obviously Ohio State. I'm counting that as a not possibly winning. Um, we got three games that I think we should win, the Illinois, Purdue, and, um, and Northwestern. And then I think there's three games that are – 50-50, the Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. And then there's the Penn State game. I'm not sure how to classify them yet because I they're number seven or eight in the country, but, you know, I'm just not – I'm not seeing it from them. So I don't yeah. really know – I don't know how to peg Penn State yet. And they don't have their I, top, uh, top linebacker back, Mike, Micah Parsons. I mean, that's correct. a pretty – pretty big shoes to fill on the defense. Yeah. End, so. Yeah. So I'm liking us to go four and four. I think, you know, we knock off somebody we shouldn't. And I think we probably get beat by somebody we shouldn't also along the way. It's so um, I think if Nebraska can get to four and four um, would be, I think feeling pretty good, but you know, come, come December 20th, when this season, the eight game season's all over, Zach, what are you going to be looking for to define this 2020 Nebraska season as a success? I um I nerded out pretty hard on stats um, before this, so I'm just going to okay. forewarn you there. But um, okay. these some of these may be bold predictions, but there is a rhyme or reason behind them. Um, I think you know with Frost system, the the off the offense ultimately decides the success of the team. Um, you saw it at UCF. You've seen it so far here. You know if, if our offense isn't performing and putting up points, we're we're not going to win the game. So I I would like to see. From our starting quarterback, we're, we're saying it's 2, um, 2 a.m. now, um, but I just put it at starting quarterback, 250 yards per game passing. That doesn't have to be 250 every single game, obviously. I mean, there could be a 300, 200. I know what average means, yep. I know yep. what an average I know, means. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Some people might take that too far and be like, oh, my God, he can't do that against Ohio State. 
he might be able to, but we'll, we'll see. Um, which that's 2,250 passing yards from our starting QB this year. I want to see 900 rushing yards from our primary running back. So Mills, that's 100 yards a game when it comes out um, with that ninth last fun game. Um, I'm hoping that we average at least 35 points a game. Last year, we were at 28. There's a couple games where we scored, you know, 13 and 7 and, and lower amounts that brought that down. And those obviously are the games we lost. So um, I would like our t- turnover margin uh, to be four or better. Um, last year, we were even. Last time we were over, we were even over one, 2009. Ohio State, the past f- uh, five years, turnover margin, nine, six, five, 15, and three. Um, I don't think that's any coincidence. Um, as far as more in depth with the defense, I'd like to see, uh, I'd like to average us, or us to average at least two and a half sacks per game. We're, we're at 2.25 um, sacks per game last year. And that was, I mean, that was pretty good, uh, pretty good talent we had on our D line there. So if we can bump those numbers up just a little bit, it makes a huge difference. And the last time we, we even exceeded two and a half was in 2013 behind the efforts of Randy Gregory and company. Um, we need to average at least one pick per game. Last year, we were just under that. Um, we've only exceeded one per game four times since 2009. Um, and then lastly, the things that you've, you've talked about, stay under six penalties per game. Surprisingly, we were under that number last year, but the year after, uh, year before, we were at like seven-something. So that's not going to get it done. And then just generally speaking, improve special teams. I mean, I don't know how we can get any worse, but um, we have to see that improved. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of went with the statistical part of it. Uh, I kind of went general, uh, general statements, I guess. Obviously, special teams clearly has to improve. That's the bottom line. It's, it's, it's at rock bottom. Um, we've got to be able to kick the ball out of the end zone. We've got to be able to tackle on kickoff. We've got to be able to be able to hit field goals. We've got to be able to do to punt the ball. We've got, to, we've got everything on special teams was bad last year. Bad to terrible. Special teams have to improve. Um, for this season to be a success, I'm looking. We have to be at at minimum 500. Um, we have to either beat Minnes or Wisconsin or Iowa. We have to break that streak of that bugaboo against those two teams. Are what we consider our rivals in the Big Ten West. I don't. It may not be both of them. We have to beat either Wisconsin or Iowa this season. Our offense has to finish as a top 25 offense. Um, with all this returning, three starting quarterback, offensive line playmakers at running back and Wandell uh, offense needs to be a top 25 offense situational football. What do I mean about situational football? I mean, when you play in Iowa and your quarterback can't go out of bounds and Adrian Martinez gets hit out of bounds, stops the clock and gives Iowa enough time on the clock to go back down the field and hit a game winning uh, field goal situation of football like that. That is a, what we call around my household, a bonehead play cannot have bonehead plays. Got to get better at situational football. And as I talked about as the breakout players um, or step up players, a pass rush, got to be able to get to the quarterback, got to get somebody that can beat a one-on-one blocking and get to the quarterback. Those are what I need to see from Nebraska this year. If we see even most of those things, I think we're going to be right where we want to be this season and potentially, and maybe a big 10 West uh, title hunt, but um, you know, it's lofty goals. Um, well, you know what? No, they're, they're not lofty. 500 and beating Wisconsin, Iowa, or Iowa is not a fucking lofty goal. What the hell am I talking about? These are very obtainable goals. These are very obtainable goals. So um, I'd like to see one more thing. I'd like to see some more down-the-field shots from the quarterback. 
We throw a lot of crossing routes, a lot of underneath. Obviously, everybody's favorite bubble screen. Um, I don't know if it's just because we don't have a guy that can take the top off the defense, but we need to see some more down-the-field shots. Um, nonetheless, just to keep those safeties honest. It's not there just to, you know, hopefully hit the big play every time. It's just to keep those safeties honest where it can open up those underneath routes. So those are some of the things I'd like to see, and uh, I have a feeling we're going to see some of those. So um, maybe that, maybe that, a return maybe a return of the Yolo bomb. Right, exactly. Give me give me the Tommy Armstrong Yolo bomb. Just throw throw up a damn jump ball. You got apparently you know six foot three bean poles from O'Neill, Nebraska. Hopefully the brother can jump. Um, I don't know. Austin Allen get you know Austin Allen can run. You got all these big tight ends. Obviously, I want to see a lot of seam routes. These tight ends running down the seam, but don't be afraid to split Austin Allen out. Um, so that's that's so my spiel. Um, it's it's game week, man. We're it's uh, Wednesday night, game Saturday, eleven a.m. Man, it, it's here. The the talking's done. So it's time to now go out there. You wanted football. We got football. And now it's time to go out, and put the pads on, and let the pads do the talking. So, Zach, what else you got? Like you said, it's time. It's, time, it's just time to play. You know, we've been we've been talking too much. We've been waiting. The time's finally come. Um, I'm excited. I hope for the best. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go as far as I expect the worst because I don't want to go there yet. It's still preseason, and, and I I have hope. But uh, looking forward to it. And um, go big red. Go big red as always, guys. Season's here, man. Can't wait. Thanks for listening. Um, you know, let's have a season, man. It's here. Um, let's go out here and celebrate and uh, root on this team and um, hopefully end up having a good season. So until um, next episode, go Big Red. This is the Big Red Revival.